My guest this week is Lisa Leahy from Bolstra. I actually met Lisa for the first time years ago, more than 20 years ago, actually, when I was CEO of an IBM partner company and she was with IBM. Now at Bolstra, her expertise really comes down to customer loyalty. We're going to talk about the biggest mistake when it comes to customer loyalty, how we can turn those loyal customers into advocates for your business, and how we can grow internally and externally through success with those clients. You're going to learn a ton from Lisa Leahy. Lisa Leahy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks again. Nice to be here. Before we dive into the world of customer loyalty, tell our audience something surprising about you that they may not know. Oh, well, people who know me well know that I love art and that my side hustle is painting. Really? Yes. I love dogs, and it turns out that most pet lovers will pay big bucks for an interesting portrait of their dog. And dogs are a lot easier to paint than people. So I've I've made a little uh, side business of of painting interesting portraits of people's dogs. Wow. (laughs) I'll have to send you a picture of of the dog. We have two dogs. So we have a yellow Labrador, and we have this rescue dog who is largely a Catahoula. I never heard of that. So the Catahoula is like the state dog of Louisiana or something like that. It's basically some – Many times crossbred. So some people think that she's a Dalmatian. Some people think that she's a um, an Australian shepherd. Um, so she has like little splotches on her. She has one blue eye and one brown eye. And oh, like cool. it's it's just – you know what? People are always like, oh my god, that's like the cutest dog. <laughs> and, and, and she is. And it's, the challenge is she's the kind of dog that – if you throw a ball with her for a half hour, like as far and hard as you can throw it, she'll need to drink water for about 30 seconds, and then she's good for another hour. So um, <laughs> the dog is just full of energy, and uh, and our kids are like, man, that's, that's a lot of work to take care of this dog. But, um, <laughs> but she's but the Labrador has lost 10 pounds the last six months, so it's kind of funny. That's funny. Because she has what? no tolerance for the Labrador not playing with her. <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a funny thing. So now that you'll be inundated with requests for for people to paint their dogs, um, what I really want to talk about is this whole idea of loyalty. So when it comes to client loyalty, everyone has their preconceived notions about what it takes. What what's the biggest misconception that people have or mistake that they make when it comes to customer or client loyalty? I think the biggest mistake is that they just assume it's going to happen. They just assume that. Um, they don't really have to do anything overt to um, get customers uh, to feel that sense of loyalty toward them. And, and that's a that's a big mistake because in, in, in actuality, it takes a lot of work. It takes concentrated, focused, um, proactive attention to make sure that they're having success with whatever it is that you sold them. So just not assuming that they're going to be you know, left on their own, uh, be successful. So let's do a little compare and contrast. So the typical business – they make a sale. The sales organization is high-fiving. If they're really nice, they may have communicated to the marketing team and include them in the high-five operation. What are the things that typically happen that you fix? Well, typically, if, they, um, if that situation happens where the sales team is just happy, closed the deal, moves on, goes up to the next deal, and that customer is just turned over to somebody in the organization, you, you hope that there's been a good – handoff of really, really good information passing between the team that the pre-sales team, the post-sales team. And by that, I mean, you know, who bought it, why they bought it, 
what they bought, you know, all of that detailed information about what the expectation is on both sides. And so um, really the sales team should not uh, disengage um, until well after the kickoff meeting, uh, a really warm transfer of information and, and uh, introductions and everything to the client so that the client feels that they're being well supported and, and the relationship is maintained and they're not just, I mean, there's nothing worse than showing up and, and starting over at square one when you, you know, when you're onboarding someone and, and you don't have any of that information. So being able to capture all that information throughout the whole pre-sales information, all of the conversations, all of the presentations, all of the versions of the proposal till you finally get what it is that you actually sold them and that they agreed to, you know, to purchase from you and then sharing that and making sure that your company doesn't miss a beat when it comes to moving forward with that customer and fulfilling all those expectations. So then that assures that they're not only successful, I think customer success is obviously very important to everybody, but that they're not only successful, but when they're, when you show that level of um, just care and concern and, and, you know, that you truly want them to, to you know, be successful with your platform, that's when you get loyalty. That's when they really sense that there's a partnership and that you really care. And I think that moves you up the spectrum from just customer success to customer loyalty. And what, what we try to do then is, is take it even a step further, which says, you know, really loyal customers, you really want them to become your advocates because that's how you grow your business is when really happy customers who have been successful with your solution now want to tell other people about you, then they become great advocates for you. And and so you not only grow your business with them, keeping them, retaining them as a, as a customer or client, but getting all of their referrals as well. One of the ways I often describe this in some of the keynotes that I do is I'll explain that, look, so if you think that the finish line is the sale, and I'll often ask people, so what do we call that finish line where we're celebrating everything's great, and people say, especially sales organizations, well, the sale, the contract, someone in accounting might say, well, we get paid. And, and then I ask them, well, so what would your client consider the finish line? And people often think, well, delivery, and then usually someone says, well, success. And I go, okay. If you sell them what they agreed to, and then you deliver exactly what you said you would deliver, but the client doesn't feel that it achieved the results they were looking for, how's that likely to play out? Like, oh, it's going to be a nightmare. Okay. Are you likely to get repeat or referral business? No. Okay. So why would we ever not have a meaningful conversation about what success looks like? Why would we ever not have a meaningful conversation about what could go wrong and how do we prevent that? And I think that the darn shame is that most organizations, they hand off from sales to, to execution. And when they hand it off, the first thing that people who are executing a project will say to the client is, so what are we trying to accomplish? And the client immediately thinks, oh, my God, I've made a huge mistake because these people don't talk to each other and the people implementing have no idea what they're doing. Is that some of the snags that you see is that kind of behavior? It does, but it's also it's also defining, you know, not just, you know, you, you talked about how would the customer define success. And so we, we talk about, you know, they're getting to first value. But guess what? There's multiple value points. So it's kind of a continuum. There's There should be stages. It should be a life cycle that says, okay, customer, we understand you want to accomplish a, B, and C, and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to get, we're going to accomplish A, and then we're going to accomplish B, then we're going to accomplish C, and you have a, a mutual understanding of that roadmap and how that's going to happen, and you work towards targeted timelines and and dates, and and you know you have checkpoints within the deployment where you say you know we're going to get you the first value in like four weeks, and they they love that because they're like great, we're not going to have to wait 
you know, 18 months to, to see the big end point. You know, we're going to, we're going to get it in stages. So that's the way we think is, is a good way to be successful sure. and set expectations and, and then, and then, you know, pace it out and say, say, this is your first value. This is your second value. So you're delivering continual value. You're working together, um, toward the same objectives, but it's kind of an iterative process and there's checkpoints and there's a lot of collaboration back and forth. And so again, it's that camaraderie, that teaming, that partnering, that's what creates loyalty is there. They know that you're in the boat with them and you haven't just, you know, pushed them off and said, good luck. You're, you're really working with them and making sure they're successful. Yeah. I think that idea of the incremental success and, and it's interesting because when I talk about this, a lot of people will say, okay, so it's just the one thing I said, no, no. So initially, what kind of success do you want? And then how do you see this playing out three months later? And then six months later, and the beauty is that as you start asking your client about that, for most organizations, it's going to generate additional business for you also because they're going to say, hey, can you also help with X, Y, and Z? But because you're delivering a track record of success along the way, they're that much more confident working with you. And how do you see that influencing their opportunity for referrals and personal introductions to other people? Oh, it's been great. It's even been great internally for them to to help us grow our business internally with, within their organization. So, you know, we'll say, we, we give it to them in bite-sized chunks, and we don't try to jam it all down their throat once. We say, we're going to help this group of people accomplish this, and our next task will be to help these bring these people on board and help them do this. And so as those people are becoming successful and, and feeling like they're getting value out of what we sold them, then they're willing to tell others about it. And the ultimate, you know, compliment to us was we had a, we had a customer – um, closed a deal in we closed a deal in December end of the year, um, and we got them to their first value in four weeks. And um, we had told them it would take four to eight weeks, whatever. We got them there in four weeks. Um, they were so excited about it, and they've continued now to develop more and more, get more value out of the system. But um, they took it upon themselves to actually go and demo our product to friends of theirs and other businesses. That's how excited they were about it. So to me, that was like the best case of advocacy that I could describe. It was like, wow, it was unsolicited. It was just, they were so truly happy with what we were able to deliver that they took it upon themselves to demo it to someone else. I was, that was the ultimate compliment for, for doing a job well. <laughs> and I think that's something that's lost on a lot of people because they'll sit there and say, well, man, I just don't get that many referrals. And it's like, well, are you referable? <laughs> are, you, right. are you delivering enough of a positive experience are you delivering enough of a positive outcome for your client that they just can't help themselves but to brag to other people? In fact, I've found in my businesses the biggest challenge we have with that is that, like in your case, you said your client delivered – you get they get, the, they get the first value, the first success out of what you did in four weeks. And my challenge historically is that the client will then tell someone else in a referral, oh, yeah, we get this amazing result in three days. And you're like, no, no, it was four <laughs> weeks. It's not three days. But, but in their mind, it was so good that they, they feel they want to exaggerate it. Yeah. I've had literally clients that say, oh, man, we brought Ian in and we, we doubled our business in less than a year. I'm like, well, actually, you doubled your business in 18 months. And last time I checked, that's a year and a half, which is still really good. But you didn't double your business in one year. <laughs> That's okay. They're allowed to exaggerate if, as long as it's in our favor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so what are some of the things that organizations can do to improve that type of relationship with customers so that you're not just tracking the sale, but you are tracking the outcomes and the deliverables and the successes incrementally along the way for your customers? 
I, I think there's there's four things you can do, and I think that a lot of this is basic um, sales 101, but it's really just kind of reinforcing the the significance of doing the right thing. So, you know, the number one thing is just having integrity and and really authentically caring about solving your customer problem because you really can't fake that. You, all of your actions have to align with your principles and they have to stem from your core values and beliefs and you have to be able to um, just have that utmost integrity so that they know every time they talk to you that you're going to do what you say you would do and, and you're, they're going to, you're going to be responsive, they're going to answer the phone, you're going to take their calls, you're going to be responsive in emails and you're just going to have all of that integrity and that credibility with them that's so important from the start. And actually, you know, we in our company, we say that starts with the first interaction they have with your company. So it's not necessarily like a sales thing, and it, it could be it could be their first interaction with your company. So if they're coming in through your website, if they're doing a chat with your online people, just making sure that everybody in the company has that same sense of we've got to we've got to represent ourselves well, we've got to do all the right things, and earnestly show people you know our interest and in, in our desire to help them. So. Every experience that a customer has with your business, whether it's your your sales team, your marketing team, um, your support team, whomever, it, it just has to permeate the culture of your company. Is that that you're um, you're responsive, you have high integrity, you're, you're there to help. Let me ask you this: Sure, how do teams balance this? Because people will say, "Yeah, yeah, I get it, that's great." How do they balance this between solving and selling? Meaning. You're going to get sales reps to say, yeah, you know what? I don't know if we can definitely deliver what this client needs, but the client's willing to buy right now, and I've got a number to hit. So yeah. how, do you, how do you build that culture to guard against that? Well, we have, you know, we have a pretty clear vision of what we're trying to accomplish here, and we're looking for customers that share our vision. And so early in the conversations with them, we're talking about what is the problem and, and what, would their, what would their desired outcome be. And we really mutually agree upon, can this platform that I sell, can this support your initiatives and, and give you those desired outcomes? And if it can't, the last thing I want to do is sell them something that isn't ultimately going to work because I don't want to live with that headache later when, when they're unhappy. And so um, it's really the alignment of vision and making sure that, you know, what you're selling is what they need and what they're buying is what you can provide. And just, you know, really having those very candid conversations to kind of decide if you're right for each other up front. Um, knowing full well that they're looking at competitors' products and that you there's pros and cons to, to other solutions. And so really being able to clearly um, uh, articulate your, your differentiators and why you might be a better fit for them or not, but being really honest about things you can't do and being very upfront about that and just saying, if they ask for something, nope, can't do that. We might do this in a different way or something with this suffice, but, but just being totally honest about what you can do. Building the right sales talent in your organization can be a challenge. I mean, how do you know which candidates are going to do well and which ones aren't, and even which questions to ask in the interview process to figure it out? Well, you don't have to struggle with it anymore. The people at Peak Sales Recruiting have come up with a free sales interview guide. And if you need help finding the right candidates, these guys are total rock stars at finding those right candidates and helping them understand why they'd be better off working for you than somebody else. To get their free guide and to learn more, Visit PeakSalesRecruiting.com slash Ian. So the first of the four things to do is always operate with integrity. Always, yes. Okay. Second thing. 
second, just be credible and be trustworthy and, and, and know that, you know, to your point earlier, you know, that your, that your, your motives and your behaviors are in alignment with, you know, your, your honesty and your, and your integrity. So you're just, you're not doing what you just described. You're not trying to just sell them something to close a deal. You're really, you're really being credible and, and trustworthy because, Again, I really think that in the long run, they appreciate that. And when you're talking about loyalty, they're always going to be looking back at how, how you handled every bit of the process in the relationship. And so you just if, if, if you want if you want loyalty, it's just like personal relationships. You know, you've got to You've got to be the be the way you want other people to be. You've got to act that way. You've got you know, it's kind of the old do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You just got to really just be that kind of person that says, you know, I'm I'm doing the right thing. One of the things that I often share with people, because sometimes you get sales reps who will buy in conceptually these ideas, and you'll even get executives who will buy into these ideas, but they don't really live it. And one of the things that I'll often say to them is, okay, so I want you to think about a client where you took something on, you knew it really wasn't going to work out. So give me an example of one of those that ended up being wildly successful and led to a lot of repeat and referral business. And of course, no one has one. It doesn't exist. It's like, huh, okay. Well, then give me an example of one of those that didn't go well. And they usually start with, oh, where do I start? I got a ton of those. And it's just helping them realize that, do you realize that last year you spent 300 hours trying to appease a client because you sold them something that wasn't going to do what they needed? Like, I just don't think that people often realize that. And then they realize, oh, wait a minute. So two months of my life was absorbed because they did something stupid once. All right, maybe I shouldn't do it again. So right. so we want to make sure that we're operating with integrity, that we're credible and trustworthy. What else? Um, I think you just need to be um, really willing to, to go the extra mile to work on your customer's behalf. And that means, you know, bringing in extended team resources as needed to really, um, again, it's, it's fleshing out making sure that you're answering all of their requirements, all of their needs as truthfully and honestly as possible. So bringing in other people from your team that have experience in a different part of the business or whatever that can help clarify things and make sure that you're on track and that you're doing all the right things. And, and it, it's showing that you really care about their ultimate success and not just the sale. You're really focused on um, when we do this together, do we have a shot at being successful together? And it's being just be, being part of their team and coming across like you're one of them and really um, representing their best interests at all times. So this client who you said, I think it was back in December, four weeks mm-hmm. later, got some results. Do you have a story without necessarily naming them of what they did that embodies that kind of going the extra mile? Oh, my gosh. Well, the whole sales cycle with that account, we, we involved the entire team. We had developers. We had customer success reps, we had, um, you know, the sales leadership, um, the marketing team, everybody was involved. And and the reason that I feel like that particular customer is going to be a huge advocate for us beyond the, you know, the uh, example that I gave you where they're already demoing our product for other potential prospects, um, they, they, early in the sales cycle, were talking to us about you know, we were able to have such candid conversations with them. We would say things like, you know, when we are successful with you, we see you standing on this stage with us at this conference next year, telling other people about the success we've had. Like we could so clearly see that we were going to be able to not only solve their problem, but make them so, um, so productive and so successful with our solution that they would want to tell her. So we started early in the conversation saying, Hey, you know, it started out with like, well, maybe we'll do a, um, 
you know, maybe we'll do a case study on our website or, or no, maybe we'll do a webcast. And it's like, no, this is going to be so big. They're going to be on stage with us talking about this, showing other people and explaining, you know, the great success they've had with our platform. And, and sure enough, we're going to have that opportunity in May at a conference at the um, TSW show in, in San Diego. So we're excited about that. And I think that's going to help grow our business because we need advocates like that at our stage in our life. You know, we're a pretty young company and uh, we, we need those kind of wins and those kind of stories. So we have, we have operate with integrity, be credible and trustworthy, go the extra mile. And what's the fourth bit? That's, that would be the fourth thing. It's, it's set the expectations for advocacy early in your, in your partner negotiations, in your discussions, early in the sales cycle, kind of level set that, you know, would they be willing to do these things for you on your behalf? Would they be willing to advocate for you? You know, and, and so when you're committing to them that you're going to make them very successful, are they willing to come back and say, yeah, when you do that, we're going to help you be successful too. So it's, it's nice two-way street, but it's really um, doing that early and often. But then obviously all your, everything you do has to align to that. You have to, you have to, you know, continually provide that level of, of support and help and, and guidance throughout the process so that they're willing to do that. For the leaders who are listening now and think, okay, I'm bought into this conceptually, what's the first thing they should do to start with their team to kind of build this culture? What's the first step for them to making sure that they're building this type of culture? You know, so one of the, one of the challenges that, that business leaders are facing today is that um, they're, they're dis- across the organization, the different teams are kind of working in silos. They have their own tools, their own processes. And so often they don't have that transparency across the organization of who's doing what, when with a customer. So the example I'll give you is like, as a sales guy, I um, might be working with a customer and really actively trying to sell something and have a proposal in front of them and trying to get them to buy. And I might be completely oblivious to the fact that that same customer has issues with my company um, from either a billing perspective or a support, you know, they've got open support tickets and they're unhappy about that, or the marketing team's been blitzing them and annoying the heck out of them. And, and so I don't know how irked they are with my company. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm just a sales guy. I'm in my oblivious world, you know, blindsided by all this trying to, trying to sell something. And I can't because they're not happy with my company. So part of the, the first thing that com- business leaders need to do is, is figure out a way to have a single consolidated view of their customer interactions across their organization. So, um, and this is at a high level. I'm not talking about a big, you know, everybody has to have access to all the tools and systems, but just the important relative, relevant data, like from surveys or from, you know, billing or, you know, are they late with their billing or, or have they, do they have four open support tickets? All of that should be in one spot where anybody in the company who's interacting with that customer has awareness of that and they can see that and they can go, oh, yikes, you know, it also reflects the health of the overall relationship with that client, which is really important to business leaders because they need to know, is this, are we, is this customer cool with us? Are we good? Or is it a healthy relationship or are they at risk of leaving us? And so having that single view is really important and a lot of um, business leaders just don't know how to, how to get there. That's a starting point. The, the next thing they need to do, the second hurdle that they really have is, is setting up a work management system um, that, that standardizes the actions and it develops uh, repeatable processes using kind of best practices across all the customer-facing teams so that everybody is kind of playing out of the same playbook, right? They're saying, it, you know, if this happens, do this, or, you know, it's QBR time, have we done this, this, and this, sure. you know, and really understanding where they're missing a step 
that might cause an issue with a customer down the road. So um, again, just having that information available is a challenge. But you know, the ultimate goal is is for them to know when there's a risk of a customer leaving, when somebody's so dissatisfied they're gonna they're gonna bolt um, and they're gonna have you know this churn issue and lose revenue. Or, you know, the other ultimate goal is not only that, but it's the flip side. It's knowing when is the the op, the, the the opportunity or the the best opportunity to upsell or cross sell an existing account. So, what information do we have available to us that says, you know, this customer, you know, based on their usage of our product or um, some raving reviews or something in the business, you know, we can pull in from different information in from different systems that could trigger that. Oh my gosh. Now's the time to sell them more or sell them a different product from from our portfolio. You know, so again, what actions are we taking to do that? It might be at renewal time or whatever, but it's it's just having that view and being able to take action on it. And that's I think that's what most businesses would like to have. And I think when you're doing all of those things and you look so sharp and so proactive, your customers appreciate that. And I think that spurs loyalty. Cool. So, Elisa, what's the best way for people to learn more about what you're doing and reach out to you? Come to our website, bolstra.com. We, we've got a lot of information, a lot of good ebooks and videos and, and blogs and thought leadership around the whole topic of, of customer success and ultimately customer advocacy. You know, we'd be happy to talk with anybody about, you know, what they're doing in their organization and how we can help bring, you know, action to to this whole mystery around how do we solve customer success for our clients. Cool. All right, Lisa. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and um, I will recap all this for everybody. Thanks, Ian. Thank you so much for taking the time to post a quick review on iTunes. If you feel we're worthy of a five-star review, that'd be awesome. And if you don't, keep your opinions to yourself. Let me give you the quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. First, loyalty doesn't just happen. It requires proactive attention for success. We need to make sure that there's a smooth handoff from sales to execution, and that's where things often fall down. And then remember that the first step is to have a single view of customer interaction so people aren't surprised along the way. Remember, this show gets the direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you want me to cover or a guest I should have on the show, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing, incredible week. Add value and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer.